Morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a Black Arts and Cultural Program of the African Sisters Media Network, and that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims, and so we need to pause and take a breath, and yeah, exercise our options. And we are so excited to have in the studio a person we haven't had on in quite a while. Um, Marcus Gary, also known as Shakem Samaret Ka. Did I do that right? Um Ka-u, yeah. <laughs> Ka-u. 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 Uh welcome, welcome. How are you today? Thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. So happy. I'm so happy, um, you know, that you um are offering these these wonderful ancient tools for successful living um, and virtual workshops through Asar Aset Society, West Coast Chapter, this Sunday, April 12th, um, beginning at 12 noon, uh, for a real nominal uh, registration fee of $12. And so when I saw this, I'm like, oh, yeah, folks definitely need to know about about these wonderful workshops. You're going to be teaching one um, that you can tell us about in a minute, becoming your own spiritual reader. And it's yes. the, uh, the topic is the structure of the I Ching. I Ching. And, and then there's also going to be uh, an acupressure to boost your immune system um, with uh, our sister, um, how do you pronounce Bayina's, uh, Bayina Sharif's uh, comedic name? Sert Beksura Taki. Yeah, you would think I would know this after all these doggone years, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just default to the the Eurocentric one. It's so easy, um, but hers is is, is um is Arabic. Um, but anyway, uh, or Muslim. She has a Muslim name too. And and then um, these workshops, as you're gonna tell us uh, about, they're they're based on the uh, the work and the resources of Dr. Raun Nefer Amin's work. And uh, yeah, so tell yeah. us about. Tell us about yourself and um, and the Asar Aset Society and these workshops, the series that have been happening. But now it's like, oh, I've been putting it off. Now I, I don't have any, any excuse because it's so easy. <laughs> and I have time. Yes. And I can't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're sheltered in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I want to I thank you first for um, giving us 
this opportunity to talk to your listeners about these classes and for the work that you're doing. You know, you're you're one of the the sheroes in our community who are out there making sure that the cultural expression, ancient cultural expression, is always being um, you know uplifted and um, we we do really appreciate the work that you do. Um, so the the Osera Osea Society, you know, we're we're a Pan African organization. We're based on the indigenous traditional form of African cultural expression, um, specifically ancient Kemet, Ethiopia, Indus Kush, Canaan, and Sumer, and and you know our organization was founded by um, Dr. Ra Unneframan, who is in Brooklyn, New York. And, uh, you know, he founded the organization in, back in 1973, so we're going on 47 years this year. And, and essentially, it's, it's, been, um, it's been an organization that has uh, the purposes is to unite the people of the African diaspora and to provide a basis, uh, like a spiritual basis to, to um, you know, still, you know, we can still live in America and participate, but at the same time, we do have this cultural background that comes from ancient Kemet that um, will allow us to um, uplift our divine qualities so that we can uh, be successful in life. And, and so we're, we're located all over the, the U.S. We're, we have you know, chapters all over the U.S., and I'll, we'll touch on where we are in the U.S. in a minute, but we're also in South Africa and Ghana and in uh, Trinidad and Canada um, and Bermuda and in Europe. So, you know, we're global. Um, and many of your listeners probably are familiar with Ron Efron's work. He, probably the most notable work that he's provided is the Maduna Tear series um, that, you know, most people have come across. Uh, here locally, our chapter was formed in 1991 and founded, uh, we have a queen mother here. Her name is Or Awat Ma'at Arit. And uh, so she's She's the, the founding member and leader of our organization here. And like I said, we've been teaching classes since 91. Um, and, and actually, you know, this shelter in place, you know, even though everyone's been sitting in, uh, this has given us an opportunity to kind of outreach and do something different. We typically teach face-to-face classes, and this is an opportunity now for us to to go online with the classes and to share, you know, the, the teachings with people who may not even be able to physically be able to be present if, if we didn't, if we didn't have the shelter in place scenario going on. So, um, you know, like there's always a silver lining <laughs> with everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but like the, the classes that you mentioned that this, this weekend were, so, like, awesome, awesome part about this is for the last, like I mentioned, Dr. Ron Efferman has been giving classes and teaching and, 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 and you know, training instructors, and um, there's so much, so much that uh, we have been blessed with. Um, we, we, we've, you know, 
on top of the understanding and the teachings behind the Osirian um, spiritual philosophy, you know, he's taught um, courses in Qigong, uh, Bazi astrology, uh, Minab, which is a meditation system for uh, controlling the, uh, or transcending your emotional um, state. Yijing is the class that we're going to teach this weekend. Um, history classes, uh, meditation classes, health classes, uh, and and so because it's almost like a spiritual university, right? We we, he, we keep we've been getting these teachings over and over again. And so one of our major ways of outreaching to the community is through sharing these teachings. So this weekend we're going to be giving a class on the Yijing. And ye and, and it's Yijing, it's actually um uh like kinda like Y I Yi and then J I N G, even though it's spelled I Ching. So the Yijing oh. is a it yeah. It is it, it is it is a it is a an oracle system that is out of ancient China, and um, this oracle system allows us to an oracle basically is 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 a tool for communicating with the wisdom part of you, and uh, and and it provides us with the ability to gain insight into various aspects of our lives. You know, we all have questions about specific um, parts of our lives, like. Most important question probably that everyone has is, you know, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And we all have a destiny. Uh, we all have a set of a set of opportunities. Um, some people might call them challenges, but another way to look at them is is opportunities because these opportunities help grow us into our true divine purpose here on planet Earth. And so, Yijing um, is is a tool for identifying those things and. You know, destiny, relationship, marriage, finances, career. If you're interested in finding out more about, you know, is this career path the path I should be following? Um, it, the Yijing can give us that answer. And uh, you don't have to go through trial and effort. You can see right there from the, from the reading that you gain what sort of challenges uh, that you will come across and if this is something for you. This the study of this material, Yijing in, in particular, is something that takes many, many years. But we're going to break it down into like um, basically four classes in order for people to get the fundamentals um, so that they can at least understand it, recognize its importance in their lives, and then begin to practice it. Um, you know, we can also assist you with that. So that's that's a class, one of the classes that we're going to teach this weekend. And then the other class that we're going to be sharing is a class that Sir Bexura Taki is going to be teaching. It's called Acupressure to Boost Your Immune System. And this, this, uh, this class is focused around self-care and, you know, how important it is self-care is during this time of the year with us all sheltering in and, and, and making sure that our immune systems are, you know, strong enough to not be affected, not only the virus, but uh, not be affected by the negative negativity out there because, you know, you, you, could, you could lower your immune system just by um, 
worrying so much about what's going on around you. If you're going to, you know, if I touch this or if I breathe in here, if I go here or whatever, am I going to, uh, um, you know, get this, this virus? And, uh, and so, um, Sir Bexar Tati, she has a, a very deep, deep, deep background on, um, you know, she's a health educator. She has been a, uh, for 40 years, she's been a nurse. And, uh, she worked as a nurse. She has um, worked as a nutritionist at UC Berkeley. She um, she has 30-plus years of experience as a massage therapist and, and 28 years in the Osiris at Society as a, a priesthood member. And she's taught classes in meditation, health and nutrition, and Qigong. And so she's going to share her expertise and understand and pointing out specific points on the body that you can uh, perform acupressure with, massage, um, stimulation of specific points that will help raise your energy and fight off any immune, um, any, any viral or um, in, in, in any any anything that might be ailing you, there's there's a certain point that could help with cultivating the right energy to support the healing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll definitely have to um, uh, to concur with um, you know Vaina. Um, she is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she's gifted. Yeah, she's been my therapist for many, 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 many years. Um, yeah, she's great, but, and so are you. Um, you know, people might know you for your work um, and your uh, teaching. Uh, your, uh, I guess, your 26 years experience uh, in the application of holistic healing and wellness, um, and uh, 17 years with Qigong. Um, and Chinese medical science. Um, you're really well known for that because I know you all always uh, during the Be Still, um, you're like real anchor presenters in the Be Still retreat that happens, you know, in Oakland uh, quarterly. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that's gonna have a um, a virtual um, presence because once you be coming mm-hmm. up sometime. Um, Soon, I would think. That's right. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and so you are an instructor um, uh, in um, Chinese medical medical science, um, uh, an instructor of Qigong, yoga, meditation, male viril- virility, Bazi astrology, and digital meridian imaging. And uh, you currently teach Qigong classes in Oakland, and you taught classes in San Francisco, Sacramento, Los Angeles, and currently um, you are an instructor with the Qigong team on board of the Holistic Holiday at Sea Vegan Cruise. And the website for that, mm-hmm. um, not that anybody wants to do that right now, is holisticholiday.com. <laughs> uh, um, uh, oh, really? When? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was in, in February before everything really started getting getting kind of you know mm-hmm. as as it is now. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no problem. No, 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 uh, no symptoms. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, we <laughs> would have known by now, all of you, and we would have heard about it. I'm sure on the news. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's oh good. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, because we have these pre-COVID nineteen, post-COVID nineteen, like you sort of like as setting setting um, sort of a a timeline, and then might want to throw in now on a positive note, you know, pre um, you know super moon, post super moon, <laughs> the pink moon, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the gigantic moon. Um, so shake them. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, Samarit, uh, how do you pronounce the last part? Ka'u, K-A-U, so Ka'u, Ka'u, uh-huh. Oh, Ka, yeah, the Ka, okay, Ka'u, mm-hmm. has performed mm-hmm. more than 100 uh, acugraphs. Oh, I remember those, wow. And mm-hmm. prescribes uh, yeah, chi balancing techniques for his clients, uh, Shechem is a graduate of UC Berkeley with a bachelor's degree in architecture and a minor in structural engineering. And you also hold a master's of civil engineering from Stanford University with a focus in construction, construction engineering and management. So, um, yeah, why don't you talk a little bit more about uh, this series of classes and workshops, I should say, and how people can um, participate this Sunday, and um, and 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 sort of if, if it's a series, you know, sort of mm-hmm. how often are they going to be offered? Okay, sure. So the 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 classes that we're offering this Sunday, um, we we do plan on doing another set of classes. We were going to um, release another set of classes after this session. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can't hear you so, anymore. Can you hear me? Are you able to hear me? Hello? We can't hear you anymore. No? Okay, hold on one second. Let me try my headset. Yeah, some technical difficulties, folks. Hmm. Are you able to hear me now? Wanda, can you hear me? Hello? Well, I'm not hearing our guest. So. Hello? Why don't you call Hello? us back? Okay. Yeah, he's going to call us back because we can't hear him. So, um, it says that uh, uh, the Asar Set Society is, West Coast Chapter is accepting payment through PayPal. And. Um, and it says, uh, let me see, I've got to look at a better copy of the flyer. Oh, here he is. <laughs> can you hear me? Uh, yep, I can hear you now. Yep. All right. I don't know what happened. I didn't touch a button. I don't, so, uh, but anyways, allowed us to pause. So, um, I, um, <laughs> I, so we're, we're, we're going to be teaching the, these the classes this Sunday, and then we were going to release, uh, you know, another set of classes that we're looking at later in April for um, after after this week. But if anyone is interested in in the you know in the classes and in our schedule, our, our recommendation is that you email us at um, at our email address, and I can I can give that to you all now. The uh, email address is aas gmail.com. So AAS is just short for Osara Oset Society dot West Coast at gmail.com. And they can email us and, and if they're interested in, in the 
the schedule and wanting to be on our email list for upcoming classes, they can they can get that information. One thing that I would like to say is I'm sure that you have listeners all over the U.S. and uh, and our as I mentioned before, the society is 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 available is 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 a national organization. So we have chapters in Charlotte and Chicago and Denver and you know Kentucky and New Orleans and Milwaukee and Brooklyn, New York, you know Orlando, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Seattle and Washington D.C. and and so if you are um, all of our chapters will be giving uh classes and will be participating in some sort of either well, in a online class, but they all provide that, that we they will all provide some instruction and, and our recommendation is if you're closer to one of those locations that you tune in and and, and plug into their you know, their curriculum into into their schedule and uh, and so if you know if if you would like for a contact in one of those locales, you can email us and we'll get you that information. We'll put put you in touch with, with one of our you know our sister chapters in these different areas. Uh so but um but for those of you that are tuning in that are in the in in uh, California, Hawaii or Nevada or or Oregon areas then uh, they can definitely, you all can definitely tune in and, and register for our classes. And and the way that we're asking for everyone to register, it's, of course, it's probably easiest for you to just email, um, you know, our our site. Taking registrations through through PayPal, as as you mentioned, the classes are only twelve dollars for the entire um, for the two classes together, and and we will be doing the classes by Zoom and we'll give a little instruction on how to use the, the Zoom platform but it's very easy to learn and very easy to follow. You can you can follow along on your phone, you can follow along on your computer, you can dial in, you can just listen to it. However, but uh, once you've registered through PayPal, you'll get a link to actually join the uh the session this weekend. Um and I kind of went over a list of some of the materials, but like, you know, this is, you know, the opportunity to be shelled in, of course, gives everyone an opportunity to do things that they probably wouldn't be doing because they'd be out doing, you know, out busy with uh, with the world. And, uh, and so this is a great time to kind of, you know, go within and learn a little bit more about what your spirit is uh, has been designed to do for you, and uh, we we you know we we just like to be a a source for that um, spiritual information that you could um, you know a well I should say that you can drink from. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, in our in our closing minutes, could you talk a little bit more about um, uh, a Sarah set society? Um, who is Asira Set, and um, and you know you mentioned um, some of the, uh, the African um, traditions that um, the society um, 
is based in. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that means. Okay. Sure. I would love to. So so um the the society is really is 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 based on the Osirian religious system and uh, you know, which is the oldest known system to the world. It the fundamentals of the, the religious system is that men and women share the same divine qualities possessed by the supreme being, although not in the same magnitude. So if you look at like the ocean and a drop of water, the, you know, the drop of water has the same qualities that the ocean has, just not in the same um, quantity. And so the supreme being is that ocean and you and I are that drop of water, and so we, you know, we share in the same divine qualities. And it's important for us to know, uh, you know, know ourselves and know those divine qualities because when we're faced with opportunities, as I mentioned before, we said opportunities equals challenges or adversity. You know, when we're faced with these, these, uh, these opportunities in our lives to, uh, that asks us um, to, uh, to rise up and to you know pull deep within, it's important for us to know that we that we can um, rise to the occasion because because you know we're we are supreme beings we are we are divine beings that um, that have wisdom and power within us to 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 you know we have wisdom that will within us that can be tapped into to follow to find the, the solution to any problems and we have this power within us to uh to to also address these issues and to and to change that circumstance around. Uh so the 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 society it you know has been providing that sort of education for a while. Um Ron Efferman also has um for those who really want to get deeper into it, has an initiation system, an online initiation system that um, you can do at your own pace and uh, and that will give you more of a foundation as well on 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 the system and it, you know this is this is like this is science this is not like something that is that is theoretical because once you practice it. And you begin to see the uh, the effects and the results in your life. You will be like, yeah, this is this is a reality. And and so, you know, the fact that that I've been practicing it for 27 years, and by end has been practicing it for 28 years, you know, you know, means that that you know we found validity in it, and it's worked for us. And you know, we know that if anything is uh, is not working, you make a change quick. <laughs> But, but uh, you know, it's it's been been our opportunity to uh, to learn and and to 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 apply the same teachings to each of each one of our lives. Uh, so, you know, Ron Efferman, as I mentioned before, is is the founder of the organization, and and uh, he he's been a a guiding light. For many of us in in the community, and um, the society as well as I mentioned before, we have locally a param, uh, queen mother, a paramount queen mother of the Western Region, Otawa Madari, 
the society is is organized around a kinship and queenship structure so that the different chapters that um, are throughout the nation, there are uh, there are leaders of these different chapters. Some are kings, some are queen mothers as well, and uh, and and we're all practicing. You know, we all have the same format, the same material that we are teaching from, so that you'll see very consistent um, dialogue wherever you go. So, you know, I'm just. Very, very, very grateful to be a messenger of this, of this, you know, of this material. Right. Yeah. 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 It's. Um. I don't know. I just find um, the Sierra Set Society uh, West Coast chapter, and I've met members of the uh, Sierra Set Society in New Orleans at the Maafa commemoration and. Congo wow. Square in July, and and then I've met other members of the society in Washington D.C. Um, at one of the vegan African, uh, I think it's African diaspora vegan restaurants, and um, it was the weekend that <clears throat> um, uh, uh, Sister Doctor, um, let's see, um, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Oh my God, how can I do that? Um, Oh, Dr. Frances Chris Welsing. Um, she was oh, having wow, her. Okay. Um, yeah, she was having her um, sort of ascension um, community memorial, and it was also her birthday. <laughs> wow. And yeah, and so that same weekend, um, not that particular day, but the next day, um, we got together. Uh, those of us who um, who honor our ancestors through. Um, commemorative libations we got together at this restaurant and um and and I didn't even know but members of of uh you know of this particular or, organization Adasi in DC uh, were members mm-hmm. of Sarah said I'm like oh this is mm-hmm. so cool yeah yes that. I just feel like you all are like ambassadors cuz you know because you know you're just so we see you so much you know you're like everywhere in our community, you know, where you're sort of like sharing um, sharing these wonderful practical tools so that for wellness and well-being, you know, like spiritually and physically, um, you know, sort of ways to think and be so that we can be healthy, not letting what's going on in the world necessarily sort of shake our, our balance. And and then mm-hmm. when Shake 'em Shake 'em comes to town, and he used to come to town so much, mm-hmm. we're like, oh my mm-hmm. God, like you are the one, like, and he's just like so <laughs> easy going and down to earth, and he's got mm-hmm. all these books. Oh my gosh, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, forty plus exhausted. I mean, yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really incredible. Yeah, um, I really like the uh, the Maat. Um, what is it? Two uh, laws of God, and and then he's yes. got eleven laws of God, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, the eleven laws of God. Yeah, right. And then mm-hmm. and then he's got he's got a novel, and um and and then he's got you know meditation that you know and music on he and his wife. They have these CDs you can get with these different sort of um, audio. Tune like you listen to it and it hits a different chakra. I mean, it's just like so scientific and you know, but user friendly. 
And if anyone is interested, definitely in any of the material that uh, that Shakem or Shakem Run FMA puts out, they can email us as well because we do have a mail order option to get you those materials. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to <clears throat> thank you so much. Is there anything you wanted to share that you haven't had an opportunity to? Because I know you, you know you, um, you have something, um, you know, coming up. So I don't want to hold you, but I'm just wanted to know if, if um, there was anything that I didn't ask you that that you wanted to share with the audience. You know, I I just again just want to just welcome everyone to 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 and to plug in wherever they can. You know we're we're a source for you, and we're here to you know help you understand a little bit more about the the Osirian religious system or any of the topics that we that we're teaching. Um, you know, it's just we 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 are we have a, a, a wealth within us, you know, buried within our spirits that um, just with a little bit of nurturing you'll be surprised at what you can pull out and, and, and bring forth to the world yourself. So um, now, now, again, I thank you, Wanda, for, uh, for this opportunity to share. It's always great to, to be in your presence. Uh, oh, you're quite welcome, and I look forward to, um, ah, to participating in this uh, series of classes um, put on by the Sierra uh, Seth Society West Coast Chapter in this, this particular location, um, Ancient Tools for Successful Living Virtual Workshops. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, sort of sharpening my tools, particularly around, you know, <laughs> not letting, you know, sort of the things that are happening because they're so negative the way that they're presented because um, it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be presented in this way, but it is like how many people are gonna be dead in like tomorrow? Like who wants to hear that? <laughs> right. <laughs> like how many yeah. people are gonna be alive is what we wanna hear. How are we doing things to help mm-hmm. people be well? How are we doing so that people don't have to, you know, sort of keep this this system going so, you know, like people can't go home and be home because there's so much consumerism, you know, so much that we have to have that we really don't have to have, you know. Like, why all these stores have to be open? They don't have to be open, right. you know. If we if we did things differently, so that everyone everyone could could shelter in place and be home with their families and not have to worry about paying their bills and eating, you know. Um, oh yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. Mhm. Mm. There, there's a actually there's a time. At the end of the year, the winter solstice, when you should be sheltering in, there's a, you know, and this will be, this is a whole nother class, but where we traditionally would go within for four days and uh, and just meditate and, and go deep within and plan, a, plan the next year, you know. So um, you know, there, there is definitely a, a time and place for everything. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you take good care. Have a good rest of the morning and the day, and I look forward to seeing you um, virtually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. On Sunday it's, it's, at this wonderful class, and you know, it's a, it's a real good time too because you know <clears throat> people will be um, <clears throat> celebrating you know the resurrection day, and it's a good time to sort of rejuvenate and 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 you know recharge and. And recall some of the things that we might have, you know, left um, 
that need to be cultivated <laughs> again. And so I, I yes. always really look forward to, I'm not Christian, but I always look forward to this particular season. And, and when you know the story of, you know, um, uh, Asir and Aset, um, then you're like, oh, you see how, you know, everything is in alignment anyway, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that whole thing about, you know, yeah, so that's that's a really it's a really great story. And how can people find out more about um you know, the story of Asir and Aset. Um that's a beautiful love story. Um Oh it's, and, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's um it's written very a detail there's a detailed write up of it in the Madeira Tale Volume One. Uh that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a great uh um there's a whole story. And that's written right inside volume one. Um okay. so I would recommend that as as a starting point to get a, okay, a true awesome. overall picture of it. Okay, cool, super, super. Are are All you right. are you going mm-hmm. to put the the um you know, the the flyer information, is that available for your listeners? Um, well if you if you resend it as a um as a uh the um as a MP3 file, I could I could post it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I can't okay. post it as okay. a PDF, but yeah, I could post it. I did put the sure. link for the Shigong okay. um, um, boot camp on Facebook, but I looked at it, and I think the flyer is there too, isn't it? I think I saw it, but I'm not I, sure. I, I can I can make sure that you have it. I'll make sure you have a, a graphic image of it so everybody can oh. see it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. No problem. Yeah, I'll totally post it in the. Uh, with the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Thank right, you. Cool, thank you. Oh, no problem. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you take care. Thank you. Blessings. Peace and blessings. So we are going to play um, a, uh, I don't have um, Bill Withers uh, lean on me, but I do have um I'm <laughs> Michaela uh, Gaston's uh, rendition of um, of Lovely Day, and so um, I'm going to play that because I think that is a really, 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 really wonderful uh, present, a really wonderful um, uh, interpretation of this song, and it's from her Being in Love uh, CD because. Um, Bill Withers made his transition last Friday. Yeah, and we're going to have some poetry today, too, at the end of the show. We're going to have poetry at the end of each show um, this month for National Poetry Month. And hopefully we can get somebody in the studio to talk about, uh, you know, that American art form, what they call jazz, improvisation, African improvisational music uh, created here in this hemisphere. Um, so anyway, yeah, but... um. In honor of um, National Poetry Month, we're going to have poetry on each show at the end of the show for half an hour. So we have some guests joining us today, a little bit later on in the show. So we're going to um, we're going to play uh, Michaela's uh, "Being in Love," uh, not "Being in Love," "Lovely Day," honor <laughs> "Being in Love" CD. Thank you. 
Ah, lovely day. Yeah, Bill Withers. I'm Michaela Gaston. So we are going to um, continue um, with uh, maybe a little, little bit more music. Um, I was thinking about uh, African tapestry, prayer for a continent. Um, let's see, that's uh, Babatunde Lee.
So again, that was Babatunde Lee uh, in uh, African Tapestry Prayer for a um, Prayer for a Continent, and uh, we are gonna um, be continuing um, our uh, musical eclectic uh, <laughs> uh, selections. But I wanted to let you know about. Uh, really wonderful um, workshop. There's a lot of stuff happening this weekend. But there's a really uh, great workshop that one of our guests told us about on Wednesday, uh, Leah Davis, who is a a financial advisor and wellness coach. And she and um, and her her colleague and friend, Dev Aptar, are going to be um, hosting beginning tomorrow a series of called Real Stories of Women's Empowerment from Uncertainty and Crisis to Healing and Awakening Our Power. And it's a free virtual event tomorrow, Saturday, April 11th, from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time. And so I just wanted to um, let everyone know about that so that you could um, be on that particular um, uh, call, be in the studio for that. And I'm looking to see um, how you would um, how you would sort of register for this and um, (laughs) I am not seeing the details Um, but you can go to the website for um, um, for Leah Davis I'm sure oh here it is oh yeah there is um, a Zoom registration link <laughs> and I guess I'll have to put this in um in the show description and then you can register for the webinar and um yeah, so you can find it. So that's where I will place it so that you can register for the workshop tomorrow and I'm trying to upload as we speak um our conversation that we had uh Leah had Leah and I had on, you know, tune in uh well, tune in. <laughs> so you could hear, you know, some of, of that conversation and let me see if it is ready to go. Um for me to push play, so to speak. Ah, here it is. So I'm gonna play um this particular interview for about half an hour. We went over a little bit, um, but you'll be able to hear most of it. And again I will put the link for registering for the webinar in the description for Wanda's picks today. Alrighty. Here we go. Uh, good morning. Um, is it Lee or Leah? It's Leah. Leah, Miss Leah Davis, a wealth and wellness coach. And I don't know what the WOC stands for. What does that stand for? Women of color. Oh. So I'm a wealth and wellness coach for women of color. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So it's real focused. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, how lovely! How lovely! Yeah, I was really enjoyed reading reading your your, your professional biography. Um, that you are a dedicated wealth and wellness coach for women of color. Um, duh. Um, <laughs> you are committed to helping women. <laughs> well, I just never saw WCO um, as an acronym, but that's nice. I might have to start doing that. Um, there you go. Um, yeah, she is committed to helping women of color become financially savvy to increase their wealth and fortify their financial security. 
uh, Leah has a profound awareness of the unique challenges women of color experience on, on their journey of creating a stable financial foundation. And um, your coaching assists women of color to analyze spending habits, reduce debt, increase liquid savings, that's very nice, initiate family plan, planning for aging parents. And uh, you have more than five years of experience as a financial advisor before beginning your career as a wealth and wellness coach. Uh, in your role as a financial advisor, you encourage women as they navigated the challenge of planning for their financial future and establishing intergenerational wealth. Yeah, that's something that's really important for our people. Yeah, um, you are, Yeah, yeah. And you're also a certified domestic violence advocate, and you bring a trauma-informed approach to your work with clients. So it sounds like you're the women of color that, um, that you might um, include in your clientele are women that um, one might necess- not necessarily think about when, you know, sort of, um, you know, wealth in particular. And wellness, yes, but not wealth. Because <laughs> sometimes, Absolutely. you know, people think about wellness, but like, well, what about how do we su- how do we support ourselves after we're well, right? <laughs> or how exactly. do we support ourselves to be able to continue, you know, this, this particular trajectory of our lives? Because a lot of times women stay in difficult and harmful situations because they have no wealth. So it's like, well, exactly. I don't want to be homeless. I can't take care of my kids, duh. You know, so mm-hmm. so anyway, so, so that's really great that, you know, this is a part of the work that you do. And and you write that you understand the complexities of gender-based violence, addiction, substance abuse, and recovery. And you create yes, within do. your work a safe space for women to feel seen and heard as you guide women towards financial stability, sounds like you are more than just a coach. Like, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Thank you. Welcome, I, welcome. You know, I tried to come up, wealth and wellness coach, and I try to encompass it all in that title, <laughs> but there's so much um, that I'm able to provide and offer and just be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, you know, uh, with so much uncertainty in people's lives, I'm sure, you know, your phone is ringing off the hooks and your email box is probably full of people <laughs> that are reaching out like, I need help, you know, just sort of like you know, maintaining I, my, my groundedness. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, and I'm absolutely also making sure that I'm actively reaching out um, because if there's one thing mm-hmm. that I do know, and even myself personally, is that when mm-hmm. there is a moment of crisis in my life, sometimes it's really hard to reach out and it can feel very isolated and alone. So I'm finding mm-hmm. myself actively reaching out, sending out information, um, posting on my Facebook page, um, and just getting the word out there so that those who are feeling alone can hear that you're not alone. And um, there's so many of us that are being impacted right now by this uh, COVID pandemic. And the financial stability is definitely something that is on, I think, across the board. Uh, everybody's got that on the back of their mind. Um, in some way, somehow, we're all being impacted, um, whether it's financially, emotionally, um, mentally, physically, with this pandemic. And so, you know, I think it's really important that there's that sense of community and an awareness over what um, I'm even going through that I share um, quite often, um, even when I work with my clients. You know, I, I keep it real. You know, I don't, I don't act like I, I have it all together and everything is perfect. Not at all. I'm still myself uh, recovering from the, um, you know, the trauma that I experienced in my life. And that does show up in various ways, but I'm able to navigate it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
you were um introduced to me um yesterday um <laughs> um yes. is, I'm so happy that um you know Ms. Sandra Davis um Sage uh um is financial consulting um you're you're you know you all are part of a a community of of I guess yes. is it women uh, African American women that that are in this field is tell me about the association between um you and Sandra and others who do this work yes Absolutely. So I am um, currently enrolled in a financial fitness certification coaching program. That's part of my training as well. And Sandra Davis is mm-hmm. the one who has um, created that program for the AFCPE. I apologize for the acronym. I always get it mixed up. But it's a financial professional uh, nonprofit organization that provides counseling and financial services for uh, low-income communities and training. And so I became, I got in touch with Sandra, um, I want to say in 2018, early 2018, when I was actively looking to be put in touch with those in the financial community that have a focus on women of color because there's not enough of us out there. And I came across um, an organization closing the women's wealth gap. Um, and from there, the director put me in touch with Sandra, and then we just we just hit it off. And um, I'm actually became one of Sandra's um, coaches through Sage Financial before starting my career at uh, the Oakland Promise as a senior financial coach. And now I have my own practice as a wealth and wellness coach. So I've, you know, um, so we have a network between us and other professional women where it is focused on women of color. Uh, and so oftentimes we, you know, our, our paths cross in various ways. And I consider Sandra a dear friend as well as one of my mentors, and, and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I met uh, Ms. Davis last week um, as a part of the uh, um, African-American um, uh, community forums that are that began last uh, Thursday from 11 uh-huh. to 1, and, uh, and they continue – Tomorrow from eleven to one, and, and every Thursday through the rest of this yeah. month, and mm-hmm. um, and 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 it's a free, you know, um, a free forum, and people just need to register mm-hmm. in advance, and it's it's on, mm-hmm. it's through um, uh, the online conferencing um, uh, program Zoom, and so you can actually see the slideshows and, and look at uh-huh. you know the people that are making the presentations, and it's. This is so wonderful, and so they have these these uh, sort of four areas: We've got uh, economics, uh, which is what Ms. Davis addresses, with really mm-hmm. uh, wonderful, um, as you know her, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, information as well as things you can do like right now. Um, so I'm sure people, you mm-hmm. know, did some things last week that she recommended, and so you know tomorrow they're going to probably be back to see okay well what should we get into this week you know to make sure that you know when we can come out again you know there is an mm-hmm. outside to come back to right um as mm-hmm. we've been working on our uh, you know on our economic situation while we were you know sort of uh sheltering in place for those of us that are not you know involved in like real key crucial um kinds of industries and then uh you know there was the educational component um and uh and the psychological uh, wellness component, mm-hmm. uh, with um, which was really wonderful, um, Dr. Tony Jackson, who is um, the uh, I guess the chair or president of the local chapter of the Association of Black Psychologists, and uh, and he also has the Prana uh, Center here in Oakland, mm-hmm. and then um, and then there was um, the uh, the education, economics, psychology. 
and um, there was one other. Did you were you able to to join in last week? I was not able to join last week, unfortunately. I hope to be on the next one, though. I've heard some great things about it, and anything that Sandra's involved with, it's it's always phenomenal. <laughs> I'm always learning from her, <laughs> you know. Right. And uh, her, she's got a powerful message, and I I highly encourage anyone who's listening today to definitely look into participating with that. I mean, you're you're speaking so highly of it, so I I already know mm-hmm. if, if Sandra's there, then it's going to be great. Oh yeah, yeah, she was phenomenal. Oh, and the other, the fourth mm-hmm. area was was law, you know, sort of what are mm-hmm. our rights? And because at this time, yeah. you you know who the people are that have their rights violated the fastest. So you know, we need to. Yeah. We all seem to, you know, people of African descent, and you probably know, you know, as a coach, you know, we almost need to be paralegals <laughs> to make sure oh. that you know other folks are honoring, <laughs> you know, our human rights, <laughs> not 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 to mention our civil rights. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got to be everything wrapped in one and somehow manage to keep it all together with, a, mm-hmm. you know, with a, a calmness and a way of going about it. Otherwise, you can definitely be misperceived as uh, somebody who's not even just stable or able to handle things. And so there's, there's a lot of pressure to be able to, to present yourself in that way. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um so you mentioned that you were reaching out, um, you know, to people because, you know, now's the time that, you know, people, you know, when people are in crisis, they don't necessarily realize what kind of options they have. So maybe you could uh, maybe give us a scenario of sort of, um, you know, what you, um, you know, how you address some of these, these fears because, you know, what if a person is underemployed as it is and then um, and then they go to part-time or maybe – their, you know, the industry that they're in is not deemed um, uh, necessary. But then we we also look at the reality is that a lot of people, poor people, are the ones that are making the world go round. While you know, while people who are not necessarily as economically challenged are able to shelter in place, other folks have to go to work. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the people that work in the grocery stores that, you know, maybe, you know, people might even, you know, know their names or know their faces just so to see them more as like an extension of the cash register as opposed to a live person Mm -hmm. standing in front of you. Now you think, oh, my God, this person is working, and if they weren't working, I wouldn't have any food to be able to go buy because it's not like we all have gardens growing in our backyard, right? I mean, like, you know, it's not like the victory gardens era when our – I guess our grandparents was at World War Two. They were growing food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at yeah. home, like yeah. know, a lot of us don't have dirt, let alone you know um, a box to be able to grow some food. Some people don't even know where yeah. food comes from. They think it comes out of a freezer section in a grocery store. So <laughs> right, right. I had yeah. an interesting conversation uh, with a client yesterday, and she wants to be able to now introduce healthier food options for her family. And she was talking about how it's so expensive to do that and how it's so much easier to go into a store and there's just the easy, quick meals. But she's finding that because she wants her family to be healthy, this is raising that awareness for her um, so they can get through this um, and be able to have a, a better immune system. And um, it was it was a great conversation to have with her. And in my coaching, we were able to create uh, you know, she definitely led the conversation and I helped her come to uh, an awareness of there are other options outside of just living in Oakland. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, what's in Berkeley? 
You know, I said, there's, you know, and she said, oh, you know, there's some artists and people there where they probably don't make a lot of money. And I said, and they're going to be eating organic. So where are they getting it from? (laughs) So just having a creative way and speaking with her and helping her to be able to, to come out of that box and to have a different way of thinking of there are other resources available to be able to um, introduce the healthier options for her family at a price that she can afford. And so now she has a little plan on what she's going to do um, in the next couple of days um, to, you know, be able to just go to places like that or research so that she's able to put the healthier food options on her family's table. And, um, and to your point exactly, you mentioned about uh, in World War II, there are families that were, um, you know, they're growing food in their own yard. Last week I had a client uh, on, a, on a session, and she was talking about how um, she's just going to start growing her own food <laughs> because she unfortunately doesn't have transportation to get anywhere with her baby. And so she, I don't, um, she's just going to start being able to grow some of her vegetables, even if it's just a little bit, because for her, a trigger in um, to for a trigger for her in trauma, she's experienced a lack of food and living in poverty. And so she's now taking that and not wanting to experience all that pain right now and trying to do what she can so that she can put food on the table to help uh, create a more calm environment for her and her little one. Um, so it's really what I'm finding right now is um, just finding the ways that are, are doable to be able to get our needs met. Um, whether it's healthy food on the table or having that sense of connection, um, you know, uh, making those phone calls to loved ones or even just being, you know, finding those people within our network who are safe. Um, you know, I, I, I learned myself that not everybody is the safest person for me to speak to. And when I say safe, I'm speaking about somebody who is going to be able to hold space for me when I'm telling them what's going on and without judgment and without um, telling me you should do this, but really just hearing me and allowing me to be able to be open. Um, And right now I think that's just so important because by sharing with those that we can, our loved ones or somebody that we have identified as that person that we can talk to in that space, we're giving, inviting them to also be able to experience healing for themselves. And it just goes out into, I think, our communities. So I think that sense of connection is so important right now. And so for myself, um, like this this Saturday, I um, I uh, partnered up with a, a dear friend and a colleague of mine. We're going to do a free uh, online virtual like webinar where it's titled "Real Stories of Women's Empowerment," and we're just going to talk about how we turned our unsafe and uncertain situations into a journey of self empowerment um, with other women because there's so many that are going through, like I mentioned, crisis right now, and some people have it's just been thrust into it. Right, um, and and what do they do? <laughs> how do how do you navigate it? Who's who's around? So the more that we can just provide these services and have these platforms for others to hear stories and share our stories, I think it's going to be a large part of the healing process for those to navigate through these times. Oh wow! So how how does a person um, um, participate in in this? Uh... Uh, in the in the webinar conference? that I talked about, yes, yeah, yes. So it's going to yeah. be this uh, Saturday on uh, April 11th at two o'clock, and um, oh, this the Saturday. best way right now. This one. Oh, this Saturday, wow. two o'clock. <laughs> nice. Yes, I know. We we talked about it last week, and we just said let's do it. Um, she's a, mm-hmm. a friend of mine. She's a owner of Shanti Nam Yoga in Castro Valley, 
and uh, we've, we hit it off a couple of years ago. And so this will be on April 11th at 2 o'clock. It'll be mm-hmm. through Zoom, so you'll need to be able to have access to the app on your phone or computer. And my Facebook page at Leah Davis Coaching has the information and the link. And I'm also letting folks know that they can send me a, a direct message on Instagram. Uh, and my, my handle on that is Leah Coaching, at Leah Coaching. So my name is L-E-A-H and Coaching. So between Leah Coaching Facebook page or at Lee on Instagram, I'll be able to provide those with the registration link. And it's a free eight-week series that we're going to be doing. And just Oh, um, it's eight weeks? Real. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. How, like yeah. two to three? Like how long? Yes, it'll be an hour from two to three. Yes. Eight weeks. Oh. Uh-huh. How yes, so it'll, it's <laughs> Yes, we're just putting it out there, you know. It's going to be a, a, a conversational series, so... The two of us just sharing our stories from childhood to adulthood because we both of us know what it's like to feel isolated and alone and just unsure Mm -hmm. of what it feels like to create a peaceful and prosperous life. So we'll be talking about our deep healing and awakening to just become the healthier versions of the women we always wanted to be. Um, And I say healthier because we're not always 100%, but I strive (laughs) to be healthier each and every day. Wow, wow. So tell us again the, the name of the um of the series that starts it's on the eleventh. Yes, it's called Real Stories of Women's Empowerment. Real stories. Simple. Real stories of women's, of women's empowerment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and tell me the name again of the person who's gonna be like the co host. Her name is Dev Avtar. And she's the owner of Shanti Nam Yoga. A as in Apple, B as in Victor, T as in Tom, A R. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Avatar. And she's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and Shanti Yoga, you said? Shanti Nam. So Shanti is S H A N Shanti and Nam N A A M. And uh, her website is at www.shantinamyoga.com. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yes, so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, she takes a, for herself and her uh, um, for her yoga studio and the, her coaching that she does with clients. That she takes as well a trauma informed approach. And her skill set is helping women be able to find their voices and communicate. Uh, and mm-hmm. for me, as a health and wellness coach, I I address the um, as well finding our voice, but also addressing the fear that is uh, within us when it comes to dealing with our finances. And I tie that into the trauma that we may have experienced as a youth or any type of trauma that has happened throughout our lifetime. Um, and I, because I do see a direct correlation, not even just myself, but with the women that I work with, that, for example, um, if uh, I, I've had a client who she was not able to open up her bills that are coming in the mail, and I used to do that as well. I just I would act like it wasn't there. And I've learned over time that I was doing that because I was conditioned as a child to act like everything is okay when it actually was not, to put on this scene and facade that uh, we have a wonderful family dynamic, but in the meanwhile, I was really hurting. And so by having that condition, when there are things in my adult life that were hurting, I would act like it wasn't happening. So I was hurting myself by not addressing my financial issues. And so with this particular client, um, what I did with her is be able to create what I call a safety plan. So that's where I take in my experience as a domestic violence advocate is creating a safety plan for someone to get through something so that they have an experience where they know that they're going to be safe. Uh, so it was a matter of her 
setting up, um, what she came up to do was set up the ability to have a phone call with a loved one or somebody mm-hmm. that she, you know, identified as safe, saying, hey, I'm going to sit down right now and I'm going to open up some of my mail. Uh, and then she went through that process and then backed it up with a phone call. Um, and then once she started doing that more and more, then she'd be able, she's able to then see that she can move through that and be okay. Um, and it's the same thing as when it comes to working with uh, someone who is in a situation where they're in an abusive household and um, they, they're feeling unsafe. And what can they do to create that safety plan to get out of there if they need to? Where are their keys? Do they have a, a door to get out of? Is there a window? Is there a phone that they have that's been reached? So just being able to tie that into my work is so important because it's so easy to go into the space of that fight Right or um, um, a fleeing situation when fight, mm-hmm. flight, free. Sorry, I couldn't think right now. Um, when it comes to dealing with our finances, and so that's uh, that's the take that, that I do with my work. And so we'll be talking about some of that um, as well on the real stories of women's empowerment. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were um, uh, you shared your unofficial biography with me, and as long as you could talk a yeah. little bit more about sure. about yourself and. Um, yeah, you're you're a Bay Area native, uh, San Jose, right? Is where you grew up. Yes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> 408. Yeah, and 408, right, right. Yeah, you're still 408, huh? <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Can't let it go. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, um, you know, you know. So the place is really important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort of acknowledging place because it 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 certainly informs you know, who we who we end up being, you know, like, you know, people think about place when you're thinking about growing things like is there enough sunshine, you know, what kind of soil will be best for this particular seed. But then similarly mm-hmm. for people, you know, place, mm-hmm. what kind of soil, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about it as a metaphor, right? What kind of mm-hmm. water, you know, thinking about it as a metaphor, mm-hmm. you know, like affirmations, positive energy, you know, like, Yes, yes, you can, as opposed to, no, what do you think you are? No, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things, you know, can determine whether or not the human flower, you know, thrives or, or wilts. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so maybe you could talk a little bit about um, yourself and, and how how one comes to be, you know, a wellness coach. It sounds, you know, just from what you were saying that you have, you know, you're a good listener. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, people don't have folks in their lives that have time, well, that will sit and listen and, and not necessarily right. just sort of help a person sort of hear the solution in their own speech. Um, that is kind of hard sometimes when you're talking to yourself. Um, but if you're talking right. to someone that's kind of like mirroring you, then they could like reflect back to you sort of what you said that, oh, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Oh, wow, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I think – you know, just through my life experience, there's just so many different ways that I'm able to hear uh, the women that I'm I'm talking to and listening to, right? So, you know, and I also want to be able to say, like, and I'm very proud to say that I'm half black and Mexican, and I say that I bring that to the table because I understand the complexities of both cultures and the history. And so when, I, you know, I'm moved by both. And so... Um, I was also raised as a Jehovah Witness, and as many know, that is a very um, isolating and controlling type of uh, environment to grow up in. And 
because I did not uh, want to participate in that at the age of 16, I was then what they called the fellowship, which basically means I'm ostracized from that community. And I lost a large part of my, my network, my, the people that I grew up with, family, friends, neighbors. And so to have that experience, it was a traumatic at that time, but I didn't know it. Um, and then that manifested in itself with me ended up being a young single mother at the age of 18. And then from there, I had my phase of just numbing myself, going out and partying and not being able to, to just, that's, that was my way of trying to cope. And also from being a isolated child in that religion, all of a sudden I wanted to connect to freedom, which was all the unhealthy ways uh, that I was, you know, very much um, shielded from. But, you know, I, I, went, I went forward with that and found myself in several relationships that were unhealthy, where they were toxic and abusive. And um, from that, early in my career in financial services, when I started my career um, back in 2011, I was knee deep in a relationship that was toxic and abusive. And I was going out to work every day, putting up this facade, again, that I was conditioned from my youth that everything was okay. And in reality, it was not. Um, and so I had the courage to finally end that in 2013. And I, I, when, I, when I ended that, it was I wanted at that time to end the pain, not realizing what I was looking for was the experience of peace and having a, a life where I was thriving and feeling prosperous and creating that for my, for my children. And so, you know, through these experiences and uh, and, and also rebuilding my life from ending this relationship, um, I, I was then able to start looking into how can I be of service, and that's when I started becoming a domestic violence advocate. And then I realized uh, along my journey, even in financial services, how women of color were being overlooked. And I saw many times in appointments with other financial professionals how they would speak to women and were not hearing them. And then I just began to realize, wait a minute, <laughs> we need to have this, we, we need to be heard and even now, when I'm not heard, that goes back to when I'm a child, uh, when my voice was not heard, when I was not asked if I was okay, when I had to act like everything was all right and um, was not allowed to show any pain or fear and just deal with it. And so now um, I bring that awareness into my work with other women because I know that I'm not the only one. I know that I'm not the only woman of color who has to be the smartest in the room, who has to be strong, who has to, you know, handle everything and be identified as that person. That's a lot of weight to carry. And so mm -hmm. by my life experience, um, I do recognize the importance of, of being quiet and hearing the other person and meeting them as where they are, which is a term that I got from Sandra in coaching, is we meet our clients where they are. No judgment, no shame. Mm -hmm. No judgment, no shame. Wow, wow. Oh, I'm so happy that, you know, you were able to join us today to tell us about this wonderful Real Stories of a Women's Empowerment series with you, and, you. and Dev um, Aptar beginning this weekend. I mean, gosh, this is just like, <laughs> this is such a gift. Wow. So two to three on Saturday the 11th, um, yes. um, people will be able to join you um, uh, in uh, in an online forum uh, through Zoom, um, and and people uh, should know that if you don't, um, you know, you could just call in, um, you know, to Zoom. You don't have to actually, um, right. you know, do the uh, the video correct. conferencing part. And then you could do the video conferencing, but but you're but the uh, the folks that are 
in the conference don't have to see you. So right, like, right. Oh and so God, it's important want to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So we're actually doing this as a webinar, and so we are going to be the only two that are seen on the screen. Nobody else will be seen. And that is intentional because of the topics that we'll be speaking of, and there may be individuals who are currently in unsafe situations. So you can register and nobody will see you. It'll just be myself and Dev Avatar that'll be on the screen. Um, but it's just going to be a conversation between the two of us so that it's, it's more real at that moment in time. Cool, super. Well, right. again, it's so wonderful to have you on um, you know, Thank today you. to talk about your work and uh, definitely have to make an appointment. Um, I, I wrote you this really <laughs> long response to your email yesterday, and I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it's like, it was like, what was it, 1 o'clock this morning? I'm like, whoa, this is a long email. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, you know. I heard it, though. I heard you, and I was reading it. And, you know, if you like and anybody else is listening, you can go to my website and just be able to book a complimentary consultation directly through my website at leacoaching.com. Oh, wow, you just like so affordable. <laughs> Complimentary free series is like it sounds like you really want everyone to be well and doing well. That's really I really do. Wonderful. I do. I do. I want to make it accessible for as many as I can. Yes. <laughs> well, we definitely have to have you on to talk more about um your work and maybe we could have you and uh and Dev Avtar on together, you know, um you know, sometime during this eight weeks uh, session, just to talk about sort of how it's going and what's coming up, et cetera, et cetera. Wonderful. Yes, we would love to. I'll definitely pass that information along to her. Thank you so much. I appreciate this opportunity and being able to have this conversation with you. I, I really do. Oh, you're quite welcome. And thank you so much for moving your schedule around so you could join us to talk about your work and this wonderful, um, um, you know, series that's coming up. Wow, two months. Thank you. Whoa, we're going to be so powerful when we're finished. Whoa, nice. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then maybe you could send me a, um, an email link to um, how people can, you know, um, find out more about Sure. Well, that was uh, Leah Davis, and I want to let folks know that if um, – you come, you know, if you visit the uh, the website for the show, I put the link to register for the webinar um, uh, in the uh, description. So, um, wow, we're so excited to be having our National Poetry Month celebration continuing. Um, and um, my co-host and collaborator, Kim McMillan, is in the studio. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Always lovely to speak to you. I feel the same. And I, by the way, I loved your last um, interview. I think it's so <laughs> important, the work she's doing. Excellent. Yes, yes, it is. It is. And I believe we are joined in the studio by our two first poets, um, Anna Harris-Parker. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to have you. And uh, Jen, um, how do you pronounce your last name, Jen? Koretnik. Koretnik. Ah, cool. Yes. Welcome. How are you? Well, thank you for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. So, Kim, why don't you give us a little you know, background on how, you know, you pulled this wonderful series together, you know, for me and, um, you know, that we're collaborating on. For this month, you know, we're celebrating of poetry course. for the whole month. 
I, I feel very honored that you're allowing us to do that. Uh, thank you very much, Wanda. It's, it, this is just wonderful to do. And um, these two incredible poets uh, were actually suggested by Lucinda Clark, the founder of the Poetry Matters Project. And so I'm very happy to have them here. And um, Anna, I believe that you're the first um, person reading today, poet reading. Am I correct? I think so, yes. Oh, uh, I have a, a little bit about you, but why don't you tell us about yourself before you read? Uh, okay, sure. Uh, so I uh, am currently an associate professor of English at Augusta University in Georgia, and I have a chapbook that came out last May. It's called Dress. And currently I am um, at home with my infant son, so he's, he's behaving. But if we hear any background noise, then, then that's, um, that's my one-man audience here at home. <laughs> How lucky. So, yeah, yes, <laughs> one of the benefits of, um, of shelter in place is getting to be mm-hmm. at home with him. Um, I, I w- wondered, uh, because you, you are teaching and because we're really about getting people to really um, talk about their poetry, do you have any words of advice for young poets or older poets that are trying out for the first time to write poetry? Um, I, oh gosh, words of wisdom. My advice would just be, um, just to write, just write it and not to self-censor. I think, um, that's really the best lesson that I've learned from my own students. Uh, they come in, I'm so excited about their work and, uh, I think not doubting yourself, just, just writing it down and, um, Believing that you have something worthy to say, I think, is the most important thing that young poets can do. Beautiful. Well, what is the first poem that you're going to read? Sure. So I have two poems, and uh, the first one is a poem I wrote last year for my brother. Uh, He was kind of going through a hard time, and it's a poem that I've just kind of returned to a lot here lately because it it seems applicable for this, uh, this time that we're all living through right now. And it's called Prayer for Uncertainty. Should you forget in a forest, notice how trees grow where planted, tall, surrounded by others, how they bend with the wind, yet never lose their hold, how they continue to look up, reach toward an open sky. Thank you. Yes, thank you. He's very lucky to have you for his sister. It's beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, do I have time to read one more? Yeah. Oh, yes, please do. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, you can read one more. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll read one more, and uh, this one I I picked because since this is National Poetry Month, I'm, I'm in a writing group, and we've been. I guess meeting um, via email, and so we we have engaged in a, a poetry writing exercise where we all take a line from the previous person's poem. So so that's what I'll read, and uh, oh, my line. Yeah, was, that's a rin- yeah, yeah, that's a rin- Is yeah. that Rinsey? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, ki- yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. So my line uh, was, "I still rise up into that trembling." Hmm. I still rise up into that trembling clap of midnight thunder 
foreign chorus for my infant son. Wide-eyed, he pants against my chest, clasps my curls. I cannot hold him close enough. When I questioned having children, I never imagined this worst-case scenario. Forklifts heaving bodies into refrigerator trucks and hospital parking lots. Good people, my neighbors transform discarded pallets into American flags, lighted crosses in their front yards. I sway and soothe my son, not hearing myself until I place him in his crib. I'm okay, you're here. I'm okay, you're here. Hmm. Huh. Beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. Um, this, these are the poems of Anna Harris Parker, the author of a chapbook dress. Uh, thank you so much, Anna. Thank Incredible you so much work. for having me. Thank you. Right. Yeah, you take Our good pleasure. Care. You too. Thank Bye. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. So we have um, in the studio again, uh, Jen uh, uh, Karetnik, uh, and she is the winner of the split. Rock Review Poetry Chapbook Contest for her 18th book. Wow, <laughs> 18 books. <wow. laughs> uh, yeah, they're not all. The not Crossing all Over. <laughs> yeah, The Crossing Over, yeah. uh, which came out with last March. So it's been almost a, it's a little bit more than a year. And you're also the author right. of four full-length poetry collections: uh, Breeze Season, American Sentencing, The Treasures That Prevail, and The Burning Where Breath Used to Be. Oh, what interesting titles! <laughs> and um, and you're also um, author of Ice Cube Tray Recipes, um, the 500 yes. Hidden Secrets of Miami and the Crossing Over. And you have a website. Um, if you can give it for us, and you have an online portfolio. So um, why don't you give yes. those those particular um, details for our audience? And is there anything um, that you want to share with us about what you're going to read today? Sure. Um, my website is jkoretnik.com, and you can see um, all of my different work. I write. I'm a journalist and a poet and a, an essayist, um, so I write a lot of different things. So not all of those books are um, poetry books. Some are cookbooks. Um, Ice Cube Tray Recipes is a really fun book um, you can actually do with your kids now if you're stuck inside the house. Um, it's all, all of these different ice cube trays that we have now that are um, – you know, made out of silicon baking material and different shapes, you can actually cook in those. You can put them in the oven. So that's my most recent cookbook. Um, and then we have a couple of guidebooks. And um, and then I have about 10 poetry collections. Two of them are forthcoming. So today I thought I would read um, one recent poem that I wrote about the pandemic because, of course, all poets are now sort of absorbed in what's going on. And um, because I live in Miami, we also are, are you know, can't help but write about what climate change is doing to our community. So I thought I would read one of those as well. Okay. Um, so I'll start with, I guess I'll start with a climate change one. It's maybe a little more cheerful because it's, um, I don't know if you saw the news. It was about an octopus that got stuck in a parking garage. Um, it's sort of, octopus are very um, curious creatures, very intelligent. And this one went up into a pipe. And it, it got sucked up into a parking garage, and the good news is that it got rescued. So huh. this is called I Commiserate. 
<laughs> I commiserate with a pygmy octopus found in the Miami Beach parking garage. First time, I get it. In this place, it's inevitable to cling to cement like spaghetti in the bottom of the pot. Bottom dwellers, holders of the smallest hopes, we have so much in common. Always, it's a rude awakening to find yourself flush on the floor under the neon glare of a super beaver moon, the surging sea and near distance, that uterine shed of toxic algae, the sick room stink sweeping in long before the scarlet feathered dawn, pushing you into a place you never thought you'd go. All three of your hearts were born to know what dying is, but this is different. Only air beats through your gills to replace their copper charges. Canary in the coal mine of climate change, marine biologists call you. Expect more sea creatures in dry spaces. Twitter sends recipes, sarcasm. This is from the city that brought the world a shark on the metro rail. Is it running for mayor? Harbinger or hoax, but alive when security scoops you into the bucket, salt water, and deposits you home. The question is not how long can you survive out of the ocean, but why should we have to see your blood to know how much bluer it runs? Hmm. I love so that. fortunate sea creature that it got returned back to the ocean. Yeah, definitely. So the second poem, um, my husband is a physician in a hospital, and we have to go through some interesting um, rituals when he comes home. And that's a little bit about what this poem is about. It's called Peak Intensities, a Doctored Pastoral. My husband comes nude into the house every night, having shed the faded scrubs. Sorry, someone is beckoning. Can you ask this turn Having shed the faded scrubs in the garage where the washing machine will soak them free of contagion. Over his midlife belly, a field of divots from colectomy, cancer, he lifts one unsheathed hand in greeting across the measured distance of the living room before disappearing upstairs to shower, where the water runs peridot before clearing, where the faucet hitches as if in breath. I hear him coughing, too, this man, once so green, he believed there was hope in the word hospital. Now it's hostile, a place described as the front lines, the rooms where he goes to do what he has always done. How well he knows what it is to battle for life. Later, sterile as a single kiwi plant, he takes the dogs for a walk, safe enough away from neighbors riding their bicycles. This is the time of day we used to call golden. Tropical light curled over leaves closing up for evening. The final gleam projecting through spokes of wheels that look as if they are spinning backwards, creating a slideshow we need to believe to see. Hmm. That is amazing. Oh, wow. um, yeah. and your husband sounds like he's amazing. To have to go he through that. And it, yes. Yeah. I would agree, and I don't even know him, but what he's doing is yeah. so important. Yeah, yeah. they are all, yeah. you know, they are, I think none of them realized how important they would all become and what yeah. they've signed up for, but mm. the things they do when they get home, too, you know, some of them mm-hmm. 
are sleeping in, in the garage. Some of them are, you know, living completely away from their families. Mm-hmm. And they are very heroic. Well, yeah. and, and the people, their partners, their families are also heroic. Thank you for reading a beautiful poem. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Jen. You take good care. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. You're quite Pleasure. welcome. Thank you for joining us. Peace and blessings. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Is Brianna hey. here? Uh, Brianna Mignez, Mignez, are you with us? Yeah. Hey there. How do you Hi, say Brianna. your last name? Munoz. Munoz. Okay. <laughs> so, Kim, you're going to do the honor of introducing Brianna to our audience? Yes. I had the pleasure of reading her poetry um, a couple of days ago, and I, I, I just, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, this is Brianna Munoz. Munoz. I apologize if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Um, she's a writer from Southern California. She's the author of Loose Lips, a poetry collection published by Prickly Pear Publishing in 2019. Her work has been published in the Dryland Literary, Literary Journal in Boundless, the anthology of the Rio Grande Valley International Poetry Festival, and in the Oakland Arts Review, among others. Brianna is currently working on publication of her second full-length collection. When she is not typing stanzas, she enjoys cats, thrift stores, and live music. Thank you for coming on, Brianna. Thank you for having me. What do you me. want to read first? Oh, sure. What would you like to read first? So I was going to do a poem titled, My Poem Isn't a Persuasive Essay. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of background. I um, actually purchased a, pr- a writing prompt notebook and I flipped to a random page, and the first prompt I was given was to write a poem um, on my thoughts of about war. So, very big topic to start off with. Yes. My poem isn't a persuasive essay. How many more poems do we need to write until the children are hopscotching? feet against white-lined, shapes against asphalt, rather than in cages? How much longer do we continue psychotically scribbling, smash the patriarchy, no war with Iran, water is life, give the poor kid medical attention, the cold floor is no place for their last breath, goddammit? How many more hands angrily performing stanzas, lips releasing spit of rage and helplessness, Poets stand up because we hardly know how else to help. Because if we don't vomit out metaphors, it might be my breakfast. Poets stand up in response to your lack of credibility. Toddler president tweets, my word, my poem isn't a persuasive essay on gun control. Beautiful. (laughs) And and so Mm -hmm. right on right now. Um, I'm so sorry, I lost my spot, actually. <laughs> uh, oh, my lord, my palm. Yeah, I'll continue. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. My poem isn't a persuasive essay for your vote. 
My poem is a cry for help released by pen and page. My poem is a shout, it is an airstrike to your country club. How many more Langston Hughes? How many more grandmothers holding signs that read, I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit? How many more Maya Angelos? How many more Allen Ginsbergs? Howls of anti-war? How many more John Lennon's? Beddens for peace? How many more band? Your house, is, your white house is filled with a cisgendered white man, dominating mother of Marion Fishnets underneath her faintly blue mantle. Donald Trump, oh how I've grown sick of that name, regulating uteruses, teasing her clit with your AR-15, blood on fingertips. My poem is a persuasive essay on gun control, but how many more children? Answer me, this isn't a rhetoric question. How many more poets? How many more martyrs? How many more pipelines? How many more oil spills? How much more spilled blood? How many more traumatic brain injuries until your stomach feels satisfied? How many more doors do my small knuckles need to knock on? Write a poem describing your thoughts on war. Mm, wow. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. That that should be mounted and framed. <laughs> it, it, it speaks to so many of us and what we're going through. Um, thank you for writing it, particularly when we see what happened in Wisconsin, um, when people oh, yeah. were forced to, forced to vote. I'm waiting for a poem to come out about that uh, during a pandemic, going outside to vote. Right. Uh, yeah, that would be a great one. Oh, I agree. What What is your next poem now? Um, I'll do, uh, this poem is called Ancestral Wounds. And it's sort of, uh, it's about the idea of... Oh, excuse um, me, Brianna. Mm-hmm. I realize that we have a person waiting. Is this a short poem? Um, I would say so. Okay, great, great. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I am an empath, a small body housing overwhelming amounts of energy escaped from other homes. I am the grief my grandmother never released. I am decades of women gathered around kitchens, burnt fingertips by the poor cook out of rebellion. I am my own hurt, clothed around my neck like a feather boa, snaked around ankles like serpentine shackles. I am my father and my mother and their father and their mother. Scarred of slapped wrists for speaking the Spanish language in El Paso during the mid-30s. I am heavy, weighed down by cries of ancestors. Somehow, I am the colonized and the colonizer from birth. I am a dance of, of praise, of thanks, a dance for independence, drumbeat of resilience. I am a horse on hind legs. I am a horse whipped and the nourishment the horse consumes. I am an empath, a small body housing an overwhelming amount of energy escaped from other homes. Thank you, Kim, and thank you, Wanda. Oh, oh you're thank quite you, welcome. Brianna. Thank you. Uh, I, I, right. Beautiful poem. Thank you. Very lovely. Really enjoy them. Yeah, we have to do this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk soon. <laughs> All right, thank super. You. So, Peggy, are you with us in the studio? Yeah, here I am. Excellent. Great. Glad to have you. And Michelle, are you in the studio as well? 
I'm here. I don't know. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just wanted to let you know that that we 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 know you're in the studio. So we're gonna um, Michelle, you're gonna close it out, and Peggy, you're next. And you are a California writer who grew up in Long Beach and then raised your daughter Kima in Watsonville while working as a bilingual teacher. You now live and work in the San Francisco Bay Area. Along with writing, you love reading, teaching, gardening, music, and backpacking. Uh, you were honored to be part of the United States delegation to the Festival of Poetry in Havana, Cuba, uh, about three years ago. I bet that was lovely. Um, your new book of poetry, Mom Says, was recently featured on Cassandra Dallas Badass Bookworms Book Loft podcast, and um, <laughs> and that yeah, it's a uh, the uh, buzzsprout.com, and there's a, a number that gives you sort of where you were, but I'm sure you could probably search that. And then uh, your book, Mom Says, is available on Amazon. So it's a good time to, you know, catch up on our reading so you can get this book. So welcome, Peggy. Um you have anything you want to share with us before um, or introduce your poetry, your poems that you're going to share this morning on the air? I just want to thank you, um, Wanda, and thank you, Kim, for inviting me. And I'd like to read a little bit from my book, Mom Says. Beautiful. Shall I start? Yes. Mm -hmm. Matters of the heart. Dear heart, dear one, the little one, tuck you in, sweet dreams and happy landings. Peace of mind. God bless. When mom says sweet dreams and happy landings, it is our bedtime in summer, and we wash our feet as we must and lay down on summer sheets. Mom comes into our room with a fly swatter and does her mosquito killing, sometimes stepping up on the beds to swat the ones that land on a high corner of the wall. We see and hear them buzzing near the ceiling light. We hear the crickets outside in the dark. Brown dried blood on our bedroom walls where mosquitoes have been smashed. When she's done with the fly swatter, mom leans in over each of us and anoints us with oil of citronella. Forehead, cheeks, shoulders, ears. Then she turns off the light and in the soft light coming in from the hallway, she comes back in to tuck us in, cheek to chin, and kiss us each good night and whisper as if she knew the distance we traveled in our dreams. Sweet dreams and happy landing. Knock your socks off. Knock your lights out. Speak of the devil. Stole the show head over heels, far-fetched, got no common sense. When mom says head over heels, telling me about how she fell in love with dad, they met when they were both working at an escrow office in her hometown, Sacramento. They were in their 20s. She had wanted to go to nursing school, but didn't go because she was able to help her family with a paycheck. He had recently been living with his father, Mostravitsky, the avid Seventh-day Adventist, and attending Loma Linda University, 
He had been clean and sober for almost two years, and she naively thought that was the way he was. He was boyish, freckled and playful, charming all the girls in the office, but he only had eyes for her. She remembers walking hand in hand through the rose gardens on the Capitola Mall during their lunch breaks, his blue eyes, and irresistible feelings of falling in love. It was later, when they went to dances with her sister Annie and Annie's beau, Uncle Ed, and still before they were married, that she started to notice him drinking and his swashbuckling charm turned to lurching foolishness. But why did you marry him if you already knew, I ask. Mom says, by the time I found out he was a drinker, there was no hope for me. I was head over heels. Knock on wood, in our whole life, the scent you were born with, what's done is done. It's not the end of the world. Dear heart, take care of the little one. That was amazing. I, you know, I wanted more. I wanted to hear more about your father. That was an amazing poem. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> You're welcome. I thank you for the opportunity to read. And I'd be happy to read more anytime. <laughs> okay, Peggy. We'll, we'll have to take you up on that. Thank you so much. Definitely. <laughs> take care. Thank you. you have a good rest of the day. Peace and blessings. Mm-hmm. Our our next yeah. poet. Um, hi, our next poet is Michelle Allison. We don't have a lot of time, but I I will um we'll get through this. No, no, we, we have we have enough we have enough time, chair. Kim. Do, we do have enough time. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. You can go ahead and read read her her bio. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Well, Michelle currently um, serves as a board chair for the Boys and Girls Club in Merced County. She's a community advisor chair for Valley PBS and Dignity Health Quality Committee chair and the director with Winton Water District. So this is in the San Joaquin Valley, Merced. Michelle is a mover and shaker. She has a beautiful um, play that she created on uh, Natalie Cole, uh, is titled Unforgettable. Am I correct, Michelle? No, it's truly, uh, truly unforgettable. Truly, the untold truly. story of Natalie Cole. Thank you very much. Well, I I love you and I love your writing. So please give us a poem. All righty. It's called Is It Monday Yet? I'm experiencing a continuous weekend that sadly has no end. Saturday seems forever a weekend with no end. At least when I had Monday, I knew one thing for sure. I could see a calendar with days, weeks, and seasons moving forward. Without my Monday compass, I am stagnant, lost for sure. I have no motivation for the norms I did before, like brush my teeth, change my clothes, or comb my matting hair. Why should I do any of it when I'm not going anywhere? Without my days and weeks, I am terribly out of sync. Tell me, what day is it today? Is it Monday yet? Work is where my friends were, the same for my kids with school. Sheltering in place is different because we were told we had to. Before COVID-19, I would happily sleep in weekends. But I don't like it now because I have no choice, just Saturdays with no end. 
Somebody tell me, is it Monday yet? When Monday comes again, I will never take it for granted. I will rise up joyfully to meet the day's challenge, remembering where I was, so grateful for where I am. I will tell everyone I meet, it is Monday. Have a blessed week. That's it. Thank you. (laughs) Great reminder. Yeah, that's lovely. Okay. Thank you for allowing me to share. Oh, Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad you could join us today. It was really, really wonderful. So, Kim, um, do you have a poem? I I actually don't have a poem. I just wanted to listen to other poets today, and and I'm so appreciative of you giving us all this opportunity. And thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. So I'm going to read this poem that I dedicated to you, Kim, that I wrote um, for, um, you know, when you did that call. And I was, um, yeah, and uh, I didn't submit it because I didn't like it, but... Five five uh, iterations later, um, I like it now. <laughs> so it's called Now is All That Matters for Kim. Now is all that is certain, so why not seize, smell and taste, share and devour one's portion, just in case this memory is all we have left when day breaks. Pieces scattered everywhere. Cake is good, but let them have poetry. Just a few lines, stitch, rifts, and seams growing frayed, refreshing the unseen with delicious, sweet imagery as it melts and drips from open lips, coating necks and throat. For a moment, all is well, well as in deep recesses, the kind of open hole galaxies are made, the kind cows without wings leap and buoyantly soar above, moonbeams lit below, milky ways. All is well as in well-nest, holding the yet-to-be-born, preparing space for rebirth, calling forth what is past, remembrance. Life is only memory on replay. We are poetry. We are the memories that paper tomorrow. We are the homecoming to self today prepares us for. Allah speaks of words directed toward the right Righteous words, words that bandage wounds and comfort soul, sorrow. Poets carry medicine in their mouths, 32 quills dipped in wells of inspiration. These carefully nuanced baptismal moans spray across what is finite seeds for tomorrows. Ideas fly across lit fields, fertilized with poetry. We crown ourselves in new languages, corona, crown chakra, our dance to rhythms in the air. We light candles with matches made of marrow and marrow, clay, mud, water, sand, fire, earth, air, flesh, breath, words, poetry. So thank you, Kim. For the invitation to write that. <laughs> oh my! I love it. I just love it so much. Um, I, I, you're going to be on, on April 18th um, between 11:30 to 1 a.m. You're one of the poets that will be on KPFA. Um, oh, okay. Uh, you, you can find and you'll hear your poem at kpfa.org if you do, if you um, want to listen online. But that is an absolute 
beautiful poem, and I am just so honored. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Kim. You're 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 my my sister in creativity, oh. and you know we're also Gemini's, and you know we June Gemini's at that, and you know we go yeah. back. We got history, and we just. Ah, we just conjure and and make the world the way we want it to be, right? Because that's what we do as artists. That's we don't we, we do don't take it just as is. It's like no, it's like no. This is how it is for real. <laughs> that's a and, really and that good is reminder. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, also want to say to your audience: if you're artists, look at that stimulus money. But don't feel like there's a lot of money out there for artists. Don't feel like you're by yourself or you're all alone. Because I know how hard it is for artists at times, and for people, all, all people. But I have a particular, particular affection for artists, and don't feel like you're alone. That's really important. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you so much, Kim. And next week we're going to have some more poetry. Um, you know, uh, closing out the show, and we're going to have some more poetry the week after that. And I'm thinking. I might even put poetry on poetry on the Wednesday and the Friday for the closing week of of April. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. How we'll beautiful! Have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Thank you very much, <laughs> and I I just appreciate this opportunity. And be well, and take care of yourself. Thank you. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you so much, uh, Michelle. I see you're still in the in the studio, and uh, and Peggy, um, you know, for joining us um, to celebrate you know, um, National Poetry Month and to celebrate our lives, you know, because we are breathing. We are here. And and I guess, you know, with this COVID-19, we will never take our breath for granted again, will we? Yeah. So I am going to um, play something from the archives, but first I'm going to um, play this uh uh, title track from um, the uh, Harriet movie, Stand Up, with Cynthia, how do you pronounce Cynthia's last name? I do not know, but she is the actress that portrayed Harriet Tubman, and I just love this song, Stand Up. I've been walking with my face turned to the sun. Weight on my shoulders. Bullet in my gun Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head Just in case I have to run I do what I can when I can While I can for my people While the clouds roll back And the stars fill the That's when I'm gonna stand up Take my people with me Together we are going To a brand new home Far across the river Can you hear freedom calling Calling me to answer Gonna keep on keeping on I can feel it in
salvation And I'll fight with the strength that I got until I die So I'm gonna stand up, take my people with me Together we are going to a brand new home Far across the river, can you hear freedom calling Calling me to answer, gonna keep on keeping on go to prepare a place for each other. And um, I want to let folks know that if um, you're interested in how you can uh, advocate and help um, for help people that are incarcerated um, and advocate for your loved ones or others during this um, coronavirus pandemic, um, there is a um, a meetup, a Zoom meetup uh, this evening um, at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, hosted by All of Us or None, and um, and let's see, how am I going to do this for you? Um, <laughs> I'm thinking that it's probably on their website, um, but I have I have the information, and what I'll do is I'll post it in the description. Um, the panelists include uh, Dejanette Shoemaker. Um, she's a policy fellow for Legal Services for Prisoners with Children and All of Us or None. A member uh, Vanya. Corliss, Executive Director of Starting Over Incorporated. She's in Southern California. Ken Oliver is Policy Manager for Legal Services for Prisoners with Children and All of Us and None. Uh, Kelly Savage is an organizer with California Coalition for Women Prisoners. And Henry uh, Ortiz is an organizer for All of Us and None. And, uh, and again, I'm, I'm sure you probably can find a link at the website for Legal Services for Prisoners with Children. Um, and all of us are none, but um, but like I said, I'll put a link there. And again, that's 4 p.m. tonight because, as you know, it's um, I think it's I could say it's impossible to uh, put six feet between um, yourself and another when you are incarcerated, either in the county jails or in the uh, state and federal prisons. And uh, and the uh, the virus is there. It's in Santa Rita. It's in the Central California Women's Facility. It's in um, the California Institute for Women, the Southern California Corona. It's, California has more prisons, I think, than any place 
else on in the country, and I think, you know, we might be topping off uh, insofar as having more prisons and prisoners than anyone in the whole world, because you know California is its own country. So yeah, and it's it's uh, definitely um, uh, a cause for alarm, and we should definitely be doing something because, um, you know, these people that are be behind bars and in these cells uh, do not have any have you know have the mic, so to speak. You know, we can't hear them talking because they're cut off from us. But we remember them, and we are definitely not going to let just anything happen, and we're definitely trying to make sure that people are safe and that they have the various, um, um, you know, technologies that will make it safe, you know, like masks and gloves and, you know, uh, disinfectant cleaners so that people can cannot become infected because the the disease is being walked in by correction officers and others that work outside the prison. They're walking it in to um to this you know, to the vulnerable um populations um inside. So yeah, so that's today at four and um and we're gonna close with a a wonderful interview with one of my favorite um artists writers, uh, Deborah Santana, who um, came out with a book, um, I guess it was a couple of years ago, and it's called All the Women in My Family Sing. It is an anthology of women writers just writing about a variety of topics. She has it divided up into different sections. And it is just such a wonderful book um, that now that you have a little time, you can, you know, borrow from the library through the online services or Get yourself a copy of it. So we had this interview um, a couple of years ago in July, and again, um, really, really recommend the book. And Deborah Santana is a phenomenal writer, uh, San Franciscan, you know, um, born and raised. Okay. Um, yeah, and so uh, I was so excited when you became the director of the African-American Embassy um, of um, uh Moat, Moat, yeah, yeah, Museum of African yeah. Diaspora, and and I I never got a chance to talk to you before you moved on. <laughs> well, I was just an interim position, so I was a board member, and we had a transitional time when the executive director left, and mm-hmm. then we had to hire a new one. So they asked me to step in and volunteer, yeah. and it was a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. But yes, as soon as we found a new director, I. <laughs> right, yeah, but I was like such a fan of yours, you know, um, you didn't know that, and, you know, from our one conversation, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and that lovely you. book, oh my God, I just, it is such a classic, uh, your memoir, and, um, oh, yeah, it's really beautiful, and now you've got this other classic, and I didn't even know that that you, um, uh, that you're a filmmaker, like, Really? Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I was an accidental documentary filmmaker. Uh, it happened when our family went with Artists for New South Africa mm. to visit um, South Africa, and we were going to have the opportunity to meet Nelson Mandela. We were mm. going down for Archbishop Tutu's birthday. And mm. so I just took a filmmaker along with me, an amazing director, and then ended up securing all of this data and working on a short documentary film for Artists for New South Africa, and that was my foray into documentary filmmaking, which I love. It's really so powerful. Oh, wow. So um, 
Wow. So, so what happened, um, you know, with, you know, that particular film and your other films and, and your work uh, with regards to the artists for New South Africa? Yes. Well, <clears throat> we went in 2006, and so mm-hmm. it was really the end of apartheid. And so artists from New South Africa, after a few a few years after that, ended up disbanding because they had been <clears throat> a group of activists and artists, filmmakers, actors, who had been in existence since 1989. Mm-hmm. So once apartheid settled its horrible um, legacy, then all of the artists and actors and all of us went on our other missions of work. So the film Road to Inglaguma is still on my website, and then I started working with the Daraja Academy uh, pre-boarding school for high school girls mm-hmm. in Kenya, mm. and that's when I made three other documentary, short documentary films about that school to promote its mission of educating young women in Kenya. Okay, so that's the girls uh, of the Raja School of My Dreams and Powerful Beyond Measure. Yes. How's how's the uh, the school going um, in Kenya presently? The school is really going well. We, um, I became involved in 2009 mm-hmm. and sponsored um, some girls to receive an education there without charge, and. My girls graduated, and they've all gone off to university, and nice. some of them have graduated from this university, and two of them are nurses. Hmm. Some are teachers, and so it's a very, it's a really positive program and a school in Kenya where education is really important in Kenya. It's not as if girls do not have an opportunity to go to school, but because most of the schools charge fees for uniforms and books, it sometimes is a hardship for the family. So that's why Daraja Academy is so important mm. because it gives all of the books and the uniforms and a boarding environment so the girls don't have to travel back and forth. They can be in a learning environment for the majority of the school year and then make tremendous progress with their education. Right. Yeah, it seems like a through line uh, for a lot of your work has to do with women and girls and empowerment and, you know, sort of lifting up their voices. And that sort of brings us to this wonderful work, All the Women in My Family Sing. And I think that might be literal, too, for you, right? (laughs) Well, the title actually came from me. I I dreamed it one night. I thought I was going to title my second memoir, Mm -hmm. All the Women in My Family Sing. But Mm -hmm. um, I decided not to publish again because I thought my first memoir was good and I wanted to stop talking about my past Mm -hmm. and move forward in my present. So when I started working on the anthology three years ago, when my friend Chris Bronstein asked me to become editor and co-publisher with her for the anthology, I thought, oh, I can use that title. It's a perfect title for this work. Hmm. Yeah, it it is. It's so, so intriguing. And my goodness, you have a who's who of contributors. I mean, like, how did you do this? How did you get all of these women between 
<laughs> two covers. I mean, like, whoa, it is just like phenomenal. And and then the different sections are really beautiful. You know, editing identity. You know, cultural identity, gender, and sexuality. At home in the world, immigration, migration, and the idea of home. Trailblazers, hellraisers, and stargazers. Careers, work, and worth. With liberty and justice for all. The struggle for social justice and equality. In a family way, family and friendship, but beautiful, the beauty myth, uh, the cure for what ails you, transcending illness and trauma, a woman's journey is never done, traveling far, wide, and deep. And, and some of these women are like famous, and some of these women are like, oh, wow, I mean, they are famous, but we didn't know them. <laughs> Yes, they're powerful, but we didn't know them. So it was a wonderful journey, and in the beginning I had um, a dear friend of mine, Zizi Packer, who Mm. helped um, cull all of the submissions that we received. I had two readers in San Francisco Mm. who helped me read through the 300 submissions, and then um, it was Zizi's powerful topics that made those sections. And um, and then she went off the project. So I had different consultants who came in and helped for a little bit of time mm-hmm. and reached out to some of the writers. But we sent out a call for submissions, and that's how we received the majority of the essays and then just had to edit them and bring them into sections of themes so that we could try to capture where women of color are in the world today. That was our goal. Mm-hmm. And yet three years ago, the world was in a different place. Certainly our country was. We were living under the brilliant, compassionate, intelligent beauty of President Obama. And then right before our book, the year before our book came out, everything sort of fell apart (laughs) from my perspective and from a lot of people of color's perspective. So it's really a testament to just being in the flow of life because so many of these essays talk about the issues that we're all grappling with and the challenges that we are fighting and facing today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, I haven't read all of them, but I've made a significant dent. And mm-hmm. and they're all just so wonderful. And, and it's so so cool. You know, I just finished reading, um, uh, I guess it's... Um, the the author of the um, of Cain and oh Lalita Tatami yeah yeah and it's like yeah. oh she's in here and <laughs> and then yeah. you know well, okay. she's, she, I Lalita and I were in the same writing group kind oh. of uh, sister writing group for ten years and mm-hmm. so I asked her some people I had to ask to give essays because people who write fiction do not feel all the time that they are as proficient in nonfiction or in a personal essay, and it's a little challenging to tell a personal story. Mm-hmm. But I heard her tell her story um, at a, a public event, and so I asked her to give it because it's so important in terms of how her mother supported her yes. as she was going through all of her um, professional life. Mm-hmm. And some of the others we asked for, well, we asked for America Ferreras. I reached out to Mary Wright Edelman and asked her if she uh-huh. would write an essay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, some of it we asked these amazing women to give us 
a personal slice of what it means for them to be a woman of color in the world. Mm-hmm. And other writers, we were just lucky that they submitted essays. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because um, I went to the opening of the um, the memorial for peace and justice and the Legacy oh. Museum, and yeah. and you know, were you there? I did not go. No. Okay, and so um, you know, uh, Miss Wright Edelman. You know, she wears Sojourner Truth and and Terry Tubman on the in these lockets, and I'm like looking at her on stage. I'm like, who is that on her? <laughs> who is she wearing? And I and I and I took a picture and I zoomed and was like, whoa, really? To my favorite women, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I hope she tells us about them. And then here you have this essay, <laughs> and she's yes. talking about them. I was like, yeah, awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is so educational. I think really for me, when I began the journey of compiling the essays and working on this anthology, I didn't know at all the breadth of the stories and the historical significance. I didn't I had no idea. And yet all of these women have brought to light for people who do not know the history of women of color, people of color, mm-hmm. have brought these stories together so that everyone can read them. They're accessible. They're written in a friendly manner. They're not academic so that everyone can't understand them. And I think that's the power of the anthology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's just really great. And then all of the different, um, uh, you know, styles of writing and you know, for instance, the the one about uh, women, um, I think, let's see, in uh, East Africa, you know, the high rate of HIV and AIDS. Yeah. And, you know, that one's kind of, you know, it's more sort of like scientific, scholarly. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, who knew? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking before, like, these women, because they can't find employment at home, you know, they're going to the Middle East, um how, oh, man, I'm thinking to myself, oh, it sounds like sort of, you know, our sisters who are crossing the border here um, mm-hmm. trying to find a better life, but then they're being, you know, because it's illegal immigration, they're vulnerable and taken advantage of, and the same is true, you know, elsewhere. You know, when these women from East Africa are putting themselves in danger by, you know, immigrating through these middle people who are not legal, you know, they're they're predators. Right. Very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, I like, I really like the uh, the essay. Um, I like the title. What is it? Bad Black. Uh, where is it at? Um. Oh yes, Randy Bryant. Yeah, that's like. <laughs> yes, the bad black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's like wow. Yes. Really, really, really great. And then, and then, you know, the the Asian girl, um, uh, Want, is it Shayi? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Wan, it's actually Wan Chi. Wan yeah. Chi. Oh, okay. Asian American punk. Yeah. <laughs> I, can I loved her. I loved her <laughs> essay so much because I think the most important part of the dialogue <clears throat> is to show that the outer context of our skin does not determine the inner quality 
or content of our character or our being or our life, mm-hmm. what we love. I mean, she was she's such a powerful reader, too. She's read at some of our book events. And she was she describes herself as this very petite Asian girl who was carrying a violin all the time and studying really hard. It's sort of an, a stereotype in our culture of an Asian student. And yet she was this young woman who loved punk music. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, to show just how varied we are in our personalities and our attributes is so important because if we don't get to know people who are different from us, we can paint them all with the same color, the same brush. And that's not true. We are all individuals and we're all unique in our being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love, I love the, um, I, so far I've, I read two poems, um, uh, Uchi, um, how do you pronounce her last name? Oh. Ugochi. <clears throat> Excuse me, Igona. Igona. Yeah, African in America. Igochi. yeah. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And then there's another poem, and I have, like, so many of these little sticky things sticking out of the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, but it was another so that, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is... Uh, Michelle Mushley. Yeah. I think we're talking about mm-hmm. today. Yeah, that was powerful. Oh my God, I'm like, this is so good. <laughs> well, she's a very renowned spoken word uh, person in the Bay Area. Mm. And I've known her for quite a few years, and she is so graphic and powerful and loving and actually on our website all the women in my family sing you can hear some of the um, women reading at the moad event that we had the museum of the african diaspora we have film we have footage on our website so you can actually hear her read that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that that's really awesome too and and then um you know such drama i mean this book has all of these elements even though these are you know, stories that happen, I mean, it makes for great reading. Like, for instance, you know, Veronica uh, Kugler's The Tunnel, like, whoa, really? I mean, like, wow, I mean, you're just sitting on the edge of your seat, like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> yes. <and laughs> How's she, she going to get from, out of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she flew in from Paris, where she's been living <clears throat> for eight years. She did, took that leap. As it says in the essay, she decided to move with her three children to Paris Mm -hmm. eight years ago, and she's been living there ever since. But she's originally from Oakland, so she flew back in to visit family and to attend two of our readings. In fact, she's also in the footage from the MOAD event. And she talks about how much courage it took, but how their lives are so rich living in Paris and her children have grown up there. And what a wonderful example for all of us to follow our dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It it sounds like, you know, it was just perfect, uh, you know, sort of, you know, she, Destiny had her come here and, you know, make these beautiful children and then go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then I really, really liked, um, you know, again, talking about drama, uh, uh, Sharina Lumley's. The Payette oh, Paradox. Yeah. Paradox. Yeah. I'm like, 
Well, I mean, I, I knew I was sort of getting some hints like, hmm, I don't know if it's good that this, I mean, it's great that she loves the food, but, <laughs> well, she's eating a whole lot to be a little kid like this. And then, and but just like sort of the way she tells the story, and it's such a visual story, too. You know, all the beautiful food and, and then how she shifted into how she had to sort of how we can leave our bodies and then how she needed to return to her body because she she'd look in the mirror and she would see something else like she was hallucinating. Mm-hmm. That was am- yeah. that was amazing. I mean, and she yes, and she her life work is now with a organization called the Movement mm-hmm. Foundation, which provides life-changing health and fitness programs to young women for positive body image because that's really what it was all about, which so many of us go through, mm-hmm. is we don't love our bodies and we think we should look like somebody else and we use food as reward and acceptance of affection. There are so many topics that she touched on that are so relevant to young women and all women today. It's an inspiring essay, I know. I love her essay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found myself, like, really hanging out, you know, in the section, you know, with Liberty and Justice for Us. Like, oh, there are other sections, Wanda. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just it's just a really marvelous look. It's like, okay, I have to use this in one of my classes. And, and I really love the Black Dolls for Everyone, you know, Mercy yeah. L. Uh, Tulis uh, Bukhari, because... Yeah. Um, I when I whenever I travel uh, to the continent, I always always take black dolls with me because I know it's not easy to get black dolls for black girls in um, in Africa. I've I've seen lots of white Barbies, but not any black Barbies or mm-hmm. you know ones with melanin. And so I always you know take you know take mommy Watas and take Barbies and take paper dolls and <laughs> everything that's sort of like you know that people you know girls uh young ladies might like because they um they might not have seen it that much and so this is a really interesting story because I from the title you don't quite know what the content's going to be it's like oh yeah. okay and I love that she also included the Kenneth and Mamie Clark doll experiment mm-hmm. um, yes. because that's part of our history, and that was such an important study that was done um, by the psychologist, mm-hmm. Kenneth and Mamie Clark. And people don't know about that, so hopefully they will Google that and see how this black doll experiment, how in the 60s when this was done, that even young black children chose white dolls over black dolls because of the society's mesmerization with whiteness over color. And so that's something that historically is very profound. And I'm so happy that she wrote about that so we can share that information so people can understand how it still affects us today. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, and I was just thinking it would have been really great. Um, the uh, Association of Black Psychologists, um, they had their 50th anniversary conference here in Oakland uh, this past week, uh, mm-hmm. concluded um, yesterday uh, with um, some meetings, but was really concluded on Sunday for most folks. And um, and the uh, the director of Dark Girls, was there and he and I remember um uh 
he one of his film was a part of the conference when I went to it in Los Angeles, and I was just thinking how um you know this book would have been really great for people and even you know even you're having like um a talk you know um <clears throat> you know about what's you know what what's what the anthology uh contains would have been really useful because of you know essays that can you know that that reference this kind of thing, but then you know sort of like when you have you know women of color <laughs> writing, then you know you're gonna talk about you know body image and skin because it's just a part of you know part of of the culture of being black in America you know and and whiteness being the norm yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um and you know i love all the hair the hair um stories particularly the mm-hmm. gift of hair the gift of joy i'm like okay so how do i find this wonderful you know woman who has this this um uh this uh different kinds of 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 hair oils and whatever that grow hair. <laughs> and I'm like and I'm looking at the back, I'm like, okay, there's no reference. Who is this joy person? How do I find her? What what state is she in? Because you know, everyone doesn't live in the Bay Area, although quite a few of the contributors do, they all don't. And and this contributor, you know, um uh Emma McAvaney McAvey Mac uh El Mac uh, Talbot, she right. lives. Yes. Oh, McElvaney. Yeah, exactly. So that's not here. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this is such a beautiful story about her growing her hair to donate uh, to an organization that makes wigs for uh, for black women and girls who have you know, lost their hair, you know, to a variety of of, of uh, ailments, lots locks right. of love. And I'm like, right. I mean, that is such a, that's so beautiful. I know. It was such a surprise, too, because um, when it first started off, <clears throat> the essay, you don't know that it will, of course, turn into something. She's talking about fear for her own loss of hair, and then she comes to a realization that actually there are women who need hair. Mm-hmm. And she changes her life to just go her hair. And for years, she goes it for three years and mm-hmm. cuts it all off, which yes. is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 that is. And um, and she's like, and I, I see how I could find her because she's a public person. She's got a uh, she's got a, a found, she's got a scholarship foundation. Yes, so it's like, okay, I can find her and get this this woman's name. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all of these women are so available and so giving, and that's been one of the joys of being involved in this project, too. I've gotten to know so many of the authors, and now they're my new sisters and friends because we've shared this moment of publishing together to change the industry of publishing to say, you know, we put this book together, all women of color put it together from the beautiful cover art by Fabiana Rodriguez mm. to the um, graphic design by yes. Grace Jane to the editing to all of the essayists. We can do this and we have talents and we have gifts and, and we want to be involved in publishing and change publishing from the 82% self-identified editors who 
self-identify as white, Mm -hmm. and it's because the publishing companies don't have access to us. They don't have a database saying all of these women of color not only can write and edit and design, but we don't know who they are, so we want to change that. That's part of the intention of this anthology is to infuse the publishing world Mm -hmm. with the talents of women of color. Nice, nice. So um, do you have another another book you're working on presently, uh, anthology or otherwise? Doing, <laughs> right. What we're, doing, what we're doing right now is um, taking a lot of requests from women of color who want to be published. Mm. We're receiving – we're making a, actually the database that we can use in the future because nothing but the truth publishing, which is – the company that I co-published uh, this book with yeah. um, is changing its mission to not only being a publishing company only for women, but now we're really trying to make it for women of color. Mm-hmm. So we're creating a database and reaching out to all women if they want to have a consulting appointment, a 30-minute consulting appointment for free to talk mm-hmm. about a book proposal mm-hmm. or to talk about how to get into the industry or how to get published. We're really trying to focus on that right now. We may do another anthology in the future, mm-hmm. not right now because it was a three-year <laughs> long project. Yes. Um, but we want to really establish our footing in the publishing world to change those statistics that are on our website that talk about the lack of diversity in publishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really awesome. Um, I... Uh, um, I was when I when I uh when I, I I uh think about your book and 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 sort of the way that it's uh shaped I I was um and also sort of uh politically where where it sits um within the social dialogue social political dialogue presently um I I was thinking about uh, another bay area editor Carolina uh the uh, Robertus's uh, radical hope letters of love and dissent in dangerous times, and and I'm I'm sure you you know this particular book, and uh, and she and she also sort of divides uh, her work into uh, various sections, sort of looking at uh, the the parts of a tree, um, and so we've got the roots, uh, we've got the branches, we've got the seeds, and we've got uh, the seeds and and so I've taught this book in my my classes, uh, my college classes since since it came out and because I thought okay number forty five, you know we we need to interrogate sort of the impact emotional mm-hmm. <laughs> psychological impact political you know mm-hmm. political of course and economic but you know sort of how it sits and and this book sort of helps us sort of mine uh, the legacy of hope that exists already as well, you know, and similarly, you know, this this book, All the Women in My Family Sing, uh, August Wilson talks, no, not August, yeah, August Wilson in, you know, in, I believe, the piano lesson, I think, one of his mm-hmm. plays looks at how we all have a song, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we just need to find that song and sing it. And it's only we everyone has their own song. Like it's pitch perfect for us. <laughs> we we can't sing. I can't sing your song. You can't sing my song. But we can, together we can make a we can make a chorus. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. 
And and this book, All the Women Sing, All the Women in My Family Sing, is just like, I mean, you just want to put it in your CD player and on your, in your iPad and just, like, carry with you everywhere. It's just, like, so awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we think it is as well. And um, are we really, I'm so grateful for the experience um, mm-hmm. of creating this anthology. But thank you so much for telling me about Radical Hope, Letters of Love and Descent in Dangerous Times. I actually did not have that book and just ordered it as you were telling me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gonna, you have a sister here in uh, Carolina, uh, De Roberta's, um yeah, you all are on the, in the same universe, <laughs> but closer than that on the same planet, and in the Bay Area too. So you're like real, real geographically placed to like ah. <laughs> yeah, so well, I can't wait to start reading that. Thank you so much. Yeah, she needs to read yours if she's not aware of it, and you need to like you know know each other because you all are you know together making the world a better place. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> for right. sure, for sure. Yeah, wow, and. You know, um, I wanted you to, um, you know, uh, in our closing minutes, um wanted you to talk a little bit about um, sort of how, I mean, three years is a, is a big chunk of time, you know, to dedicate yourself to a project. And I remember when I, I read I read your, your book, um, you know, Space Between the Stars, and, and, and you uh, talked about, you know, your meditation, Vipassana practice, and, 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 you know, and how, you know, the spiritually, you know, centering of, of that. And I was just wondering if you could get sort of a little deep and esoteric here. <laughs> well, I still have my meditation practice. I've mm. meditated every morning for 42 years. Mm. And I have increased my meditation practice because now I try to also meditate in the evenings. I don't always remember because sometimes life gets busy or I go out to dinner, but I think really my grounding in my life comes from my time of quiet. Mm. And um, I've learned a lot in the last two years or almost, yeah, probably two years since our country has changed. I was at the Women's March in 2017 in Washington, D.C., and I mm. felt so exhilarated by the dissidents, by people who were saying, no, we cannot accept this new administration and all of the um, backward practices of racism and rescinding human rights and all of that. And I became very active for the first year. I was really busy writing letters and trying to resist, 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 and after the anthology came out, and I worked a lot in trying to also resist this publishing industry, I was, I was spending so much time resisting the powers that are negative that I was starting to lose my peace. Mm. So I have returned in the past month to really much more quiet time mm-hmm. and reading about consciousness and how to raise my own consciousness, how to live in the light and how to ask spirit to infuse me with light so that I am not angry at people who think differently or I'm not so afraid that our world is going to you know, a complete and total 
ending that is going to be catastrophe. I have to get back to peace and faith and believing that there is a higher order in the world. So, yes, I'm still very involved in my meditation life and my prayer life and reading so that I can offer the highest of myself to this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and in your, your introduction, you know, you talk about sort of being uniquely um, sort of um, placed to be able to to give birth to such a work, you know, you talk about your mom <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and your dad and mm-hmm. you know and and your and your sister and yeah, talk a little bit about, you know, sort of like the DNA kind of preparation, like, you know, the stuff that we get that we didn't even like, you know, the privilege that that we get and we don't necessarily realize that it's a privilege because in this society is often seen as um uh, a deficit, but it's not. <laughs> Everything we right. come here with is is a part of the the bounty, right? You know, and so like I think one of the essays I read, you know, sort of was like a reevaluation of worth, self worth, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and self love. Yeah, as long as you could talk about that and your family, I hadn't known. Uh, I'm really happy that you mentioned it in your bio. I hadn't known that you you married. Um, uh, actor Carl Lumley, Lumley, and 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 you know I knew you had you know beautiful adult children, but I hadn't re- realized what they were up to now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am so fortunate. So yes, Carl and I married three years ago, mm. and our blended family with my three children and Salvador, Stella, Angelica, and his son Brandon. They are all just best friends now. We just have this amazing, blessed family. And Carl, of course, is a creative, and he's writing a play right now about James Baldwin that he's going to perform. Mm -hmm. And he supported me so much through the anthology. So this is just uh, icing on top of the beautiful cake that God sent me here with. You're Mm -hmm. right. Um, and, you know, I, I talk in the forward about my mother being a fiery Irish-English feminist born in Texas and her meeting my African-American father performing in a jazz club in Chicago in the 1940s. And when they married, of course, anti-miscegenation laws were still in effect in 17 states, so they were not legally married as a black man and a white woman in 1947 when they got married. But they just loved us so much and we our families were blended and I say that my sister and I bounded into this world as biracial brown babies madly adored by both sides of our family and we were taught that people of gentleness and faith can change the world hmm. yeah yeah so that's really my legacy and growing up in San Francisco I was we were very fortunate we didn't have the atrocities of the South. We didn't see the lynchings. I mean, we read about them and we knew about many horrible things that happened, Mm -hmm. but we did have a very relatively gentle upbringing, even though we were very aware of racism and we saw it when people stared at us. And we were so fortunate to be involved in the 60s in the Bay Area, so we knew about the Black Panthers as well as Martin Luther King Jr. So, yeah, it was very rich and... um, fulfilling upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, um, you know, I can see um, sort of the uh, 
um, you know, sort of the way that you move through the world is uh, is really graceful and and really beautiful. Um, uh, you know, not all, not only, <laughs> uh, you know, are you singing, which you're also dancing, which is really lovely. And and thank you, thank you so much for for this book. You know, all the women in my family sing for for giving. You know, three years of your life to its uh, to its birthing. Uh, that was really generous of you. <laughs> You're so kind. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be able to speak with you again after so many years. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for your work in the world, and I hope we can collaborate to make this world a better place. Oh, yeah, certainly, certainly. And um, and I was wondering, on your website, you know, for the book, um, uh, is that also where um, people can learn more about uh, Do a Little, your nonprofit uh, organization that serves women and girls in the areas of health, education, and happiness? They can actually learn about that on my website, DeborahSantana.com. Okay. But they can, on the All the Women in My Family Sing.com website, they can also read about, we've posted a page that has books by women of color. So they can also access a whole repository of books that they might want to read, nonfiction and fiction. Hmm. And I'm going to add the book you told me about. Okay, super, super. And is anything coming up? Um, any um, events or anything um, coming up that people might want to um, any uh, to uh, to attend or anything like that? Yes, we're winding down our book tour, but we do have an events page, and we do have um, a couple of local events coming up. Okay. We're actually going to be in Martha's Vineyard in August, but we'll be in San Francisco in September and in San Jose in September. So everything oh, that's open to the public will be on our website, okay. all the women in my family com under events. All righty. Well, super, super. Well, I'm looking forward to watching your films and <laughs> and looking mm-hmm. at, you know, these books by women of color that you recommend on the site. I'm always interested in recommendations, so that's really hot, as well as, you know, these women that we meet in the anthology, they are writers and they have books. <laughs> yes, and they're all on the website, too. So right. we're really trying to get the information out there, and I thank you so much for this time of you sharing the anthology with the world. Oh, no problem. And I have one more question. I was wondering, since I haven't read all of the essays, so I'm not sure if maybe someone is in there, I was wondering, are there any incarcerated women uh, writers in the book? There is. uh, One, Rhonda Turpin, and I have become very good friends, and she's actually going to be released later this year. Oh, she has awesome. a tremendous story. She has she has never told me I don't know why she's in prison, but as she says in her essay, she says, I committed a white collar crime and I have been in prison longer than murderers. Ooh. So yes, so she has a powerful essay. We had another amazing essay by a woman who was African and was incarcerated mm-hmm. and they moved her so we couldn't find her. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, we're not able to publish her essay. Oh. But, but yes, these voices are included. And we've left so many voices out, so you're absolutely right. There will have to be another anthology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and how do people find out about calls for uh, publications, um, just so people can know where to make sure they're looking, just in case they're interested in things like that. Where where do you, how do you find out about calls for uh, for publication. Yes. Yeah, we actually 
uh, went through the VONA website, Voices of Our Nation, which is that educational workshopping um, group that's in the Bay Area and around the West Coast now. And we actually pu uh, put an ad in Publishers Weekly. We went to lots of writing websites. And when we put a call out in the future, when we do that, we'll do it through our own website also and as many places as we can. Okay. Yeah, I, I did find that um, Rhonda's uh, Prison Parenting. So on page yeah. 219, folks. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I was thinking um, I would love to share this book with some of my my sister friends that are, um, you know, that are locked up. And so, um, yeah, because um, I'm a part of the uh, California Coalition for Women Prisoners and we have visiting teams, so I have these women. You know, now we can email. So I'm going to see who might like me to send them a book because I know they will love it. And we will do that for you if you want us to drop ship books to them. Mm -hmm. If you just um, contact me and we can go off recording and I can give you my email, and we'll drop ship the books for you. You don't have to buy them because we're giving books to schools and to We've actually, through Rhonda, I've been sent, we sent books for their library at that prison, mm -hmm. and we, we send magazines. We try to really support women who are incarcerated. Oh, that's great. That's really great. Oh, wow. So um, 